This is Byron Lazine and Nicole White, and you are tuned into episode 277 of The Real Word. Word is up. 277 episodes in, I feel like maybe, just finally, maybe we have figured out the studio. Maybe. I don't know. I feel like I'm really far from you, which maybe is a good thing. Yeah, I like this. You like it? You feel uh, good like, about well, it? It's like we're not, and we, I can, for 276 I can episodes, we've sat I feel, so, on a straight line. A straight line. And it's funny. So my left side is my good side. And we're really now on my really bad side. Well, I, I was going to let you sit here. And I you know, but I was like, no. this is weird. It's seven years, five years, 10 years. I don't know how long it's been. I've been on this side. Well, you should switch to this side. You can have your good side. Maybe. I, I'm, I'm open to it. So maybe, maybe we try that next time. We'll see but how anyway, this I'm excited. Goes. Well, I'm curious how the lights look. I mean, it's, it's a different, it's a different, it's a different room. Maybe you can show like a little blooper of, I think it was like episode two or three. We couldn't even get our mics four. on. The, that was episode four. four, where I was on the stand and it. <laughs> <laughs> It wasn't a stand. I think it was. So we were in someone's it was like office. like a stapler holder it or was, something. It was. It was, st- it was multiple things. I stacked up. I think you would put like your pens in one and then it. Yeah. We've tried it all. But here we've done we it, are. We've done it all. And then the, I think in the first episode, your arm kept. There was a bloopers thing that. Um, yeah, we can find it. Maybe pop in, in a your, couple of those clips. Every time you kept talking, we were in your parents' basement. It's been a good run. It's been a good run. It's, I feel like we're ending here. Is this where we're, like we've we've hit it and now we say goodbye? Ooh, I don't just just maybe. <laughs> uh, anyway, but no, let's continue to to keep it going strong and live the good life. And what does living the good life mean to consumers? This is a Sarah Lentz article in NowBam.com. Just posted, according to a recent Fannie Mae blog. Consumer aspirations to home ownership remains strong in spite of elevated mortgage rates high home prices, and limited inventory. For 87% of consumers, living the good life includes owning a home. So in racket number one, Nicole, Mm -hmm. let's take a look at what else living the good life means Mm -hmm. for consumers. So important factors in the good life. Every time I hear that phrase, the good life, I think of Kanye West. Yeah. You know the song? I do. Yeah. I feel like I say it as a joke. Like, hey, how are you today? I'm like, living the the good life. No, what do I say? Living the dream. Living the dream. I feel like it's... It's kind of, I don't know. It's I feel thing? like I use it. As, no, I like it's the good not life my thing. Better. No, I do like the good life better. I just feel like it's kind of like a joke. Like Kanye living West, living the good life. Kanye, where have you been? Where I has he? Well, I haven't his, seen him. I, you, I are. Do you watch? Like, I see him and his wife. He's married. Oh, she's he's like married to who? This woman that likes to wrap herself. He's already married. Yeah, she likes to wrap herself in like garbage bags. I, uh, feel I haven't like. seen this. No. Yeah, like, she's an interesting, right? Isn't she? She's like, she's like. A human condom, almost. All right, so we've got quarter four of 2020. We'll put up the um, the chart. Yep. And then we've got quarter four of 2022. So we're showing the difference here yep. of the important factors of the good life. Mm-hmm. They haven't changed. So, so being financially much. secure, 2020 quarter four, 2022 quarter four, 98% of people Makes sense. are saying being financially secure. That could be different for, for everybody. Of course. Being in good health. 99% in 2020, because, you know, we had the, the, uh, the pandemic. thing going around. Mm-hmm. Now it's 98%. So Not much of a difference there. I would say that's that's wildly important for yep. sure. Living in a location I like, 96% in 2020 down to 94%. Yep. Yeah, 2020 was all about, like, I want to get to where I want to be. Life is too short. So that's yeah. ticked down a little bit. Still very high. You want to live high. somewhere you like. Having a good 
work-life balance. 95% mm-hmm. and now down to 92%. Having good friends. Mm-hmm. 90, I mean, these are obvious, right? 91, 90. Mm-hmm. Owning a home, 87% strong in both years. Yep. Okay, so 87% across the board. Having a happy marriage or romantic relationship, 86%. So less than owning a home. I get, I'm get. i a little confused by this one because I'm, I'm assuming that these people are married and they want a happy marriage, right? But owning a home is more important than a <laughs> happy own, marriage. Owning a home so, is a little bit more important. I don't know. Having an interesting job, 87% in 2020, down to 81% in 2022. Okay. So I think what they're saying there is like, okay, I'd rather make more money than it be super interesting. Okay. But still, 81% would rather have interesting. So still very high. Having a strong religious faith or spirituality, 76%. Now that's gone up to 77%. Having children was Mm -hmm. 77% in 2020. It's down to 73%. Mm Mm-hmm. Listen, I don't know. Easy. I don't know why this one's so low. Yeah. Is what I'm saying. <laughs> what do you, you think I was? Gonna I say? don't. I. I. I couldn't even. Honestly, I couldn't even imagine. I really for just so, wanted to make sure you thought it out first. Yeah, for someone who didn't <laughs> want children before I had children. When you think about like, once you have children, and then you think about what would my life be like without children? Yeah. It would be significantly worse. Oh wow! Without children, because when you think about the future years and and the, you know, they're a pain in the ass for sure. But the joy that they bring to you and all these different things, and think about the future of you know having an actual family and all these things. Wow! I thought this number would be much higher. I'm shocked that it's not. There's there's probably just a lot of young people like how I was when I was young. Yeah. Where where, when I was young, I would have been like, yeah, that's not even. In the equation of having right. a good life, you know, For when sure. I was in my twenties. Yeah. Then once I had kids, I had a much different perspective on it. You know, having some type of a legacy, like living a, you know, the world only works if people are actually having kids. Well, and so I thought this number would be higher. Well, I I also think though to to what you're saying though, too, you didn't realize it was the good life until you were living it. Right. Too. Yeah. yeah. And so yeah. that's some a weird thing because it's like it's hard to understand. Yeah. I certainly didn't understand it before I yeah. had kids. So. Owning really nice things, cars, mm-hmm. electronics, jewelry. I'm happy to see that that's at 36%, though. Yeah, that that's, is not the good life. You can get all this no. crap and it still can, be miserable. Yeah. And in a miserable marriage. Nice things do, do not make with you the happy. House. All right, so aspirations of home ownership. This one's interesting. 87% believe owning a home is an important factor in the good life or the life they would like to have. Mm-hmm. But for renters, only 74%. Of white renters share that sentiment, 79% of black renters and 92% of Hispanic renters. Mm. Okay, you know, some gaps there that mm-hmm. I, that I found to be interesting. Mm-hmm. 73% believe buying a home has a lot of potential. Um, 70% uh, buy, believe buying a home is a safe investment, but fewer think so compared to 2020 with 75%. Okay. Mm. Now, we know that in the last four decades, for... You know, when you're advising a home shopper right now who's like, hey, is this a safe investment? Is this going to be safe? Well, in the last four decades, home values have gone up 30% or more. Right. 1990s, the 2000s, even with the great financial crisis in there, the 2010s, and then so far in the 2020s, real estate is up 30% or more. Most of those years, it's 40% yep. or more for home appreciation per decade. So if you're going to be the typical homeowner and live 10 to 12 years in a right. home, yeah, you're going to win. It's going to be very safe. It's going to be much safer than going on Robinhood and trying to 
pick a stock or trying to go buy Bitcoin, which they're basically trying to make illegal right now. So benefits of home ownership, Nicole, anything stick out here? The benefits uh, of the home ownership, having less stress, uh, took last place on the list, maybe because of the stress of actually having to keep up the home. But what were the benefits? Uh, what stuck out to you? Uh, nothing. real. I mean, again, I think that having the less stress is bizarre. I mean, isn't it a little bizarre? It can be stressful. Obviously. Yeah. It can be. Owning a home can be stressful. Um, That's, I guess, what I'm surprised at. But. but many associate home ownership with a greater sense of privacy and security, which also makes for less stress. I, I don't know about that. You I don't know, know about that. It depends on. All right. So I sold the house in Connecticut. Unless they think that it's less stress because, like, you're secure. You're not worried about rent going up. You're not worried about getting kicked out. Well, I your taxes go up. But anyways. I had that house in Connecticut, HOA. Yes. Uh, it wasn't the finishes that I wanted, obviously, yeah. but they were nice finishes. They, yeah. were, they were newer. It was a house. Um, HOA, they solve all the problems, or they create problems sometimes. But essentially, you don't have to think about anything. You're kind of on autopilot. Yeah. Location was great. Bought a new place, great location. We did this full renovation. Uh, very stressful. Very stressful, well, I the mean, full renovation. Yeah, for sure. Um, so I, maybe if you're not doing a full renovation... The stress can well, be Well, but I think, I mean, home ownership is this, I mean, owning a condo is home ownership too. I know, but to me, I haven't had, you know, my Florida home, my Connecticut home for four years, whatever that was. And even before that, I was living so at the new development. So you're talking about a non-HOA HOA living what, is Yeah, what I'm stressful. saying is, what I'm saying is for some, when you become a, accustomed to being a renter. Right. And you go into full single family home ownership. Yeah. Every decision, every move is on your shoulders. Everything. Garbage. Everything. Mowing. Everything. Roof. HOA, less. And so for sure. I've been HOA forever because Florida HOA, Connecticut. Does your HOA, HOA cover HOA. your mowing or do you have to do mowing? Where? At In Florida. Oh, no. They do the mowing. They yeah. do it all. They okay. do all the mowing, the landscaping. Yeah. Um, oh, like they mulch your, your house too? Oh, yeah. Okay. They do it all. Okay. And they did that in, in up here too. Right. I, I feel like yours is like, and there's a, obviously a little bit of a difference between like condos where you, cause like at your house, you own your schmutz, right? Like you own yeah, your you, siding, you own your roof. Yeah. You Cause do. again, where your condo before, like the roof was part of the condo, like the siding was part of. Yeah. So it made sense that the landscaping was included, but. No, landscaping, typically Florida, all of them, landscaping is included. You know, obviously the pool, you know, the, the little amenities that yeah. they have there, those are all included. Um, and so I kind of like that where it's on autopilot. For sure. Here with this new place, Connecticut, you just, you just find, I mean, it's an older home, so that's part of it too. But you just are always, the more you explore the house, you're always finding something that in the future is going to cost money. And so that can bring people stress. It's like, oh, in the future, I'm going to have to address this. Right. In the future, I'm going to certainly have to address that. I think it was last episode we talked about that 1% to 3%. Oh, yeah. And somebody made a comment and like, hey, I'd really love for you maybe to break that down further. Because we didn't, I, I probably didn't do a good enough job breaking that down. But when I say 1% to 3% maintenance going back into the house, yeah, I'm just talking about like, if you have a septic tank, like pumping that regularly, right. if you have a furnace, getting that service yep. and then addressing the things that they suggest. Right. Because every time you get that service, you say, well, I think you should probably, you know, address this or address that. And you go and you address that. That doesn't increase home value. Right. Um, you know, certainly just keeping the place in order, um, you know, 
patching paint or these types of things Even that the are exterior, wear and tear. If it needs paint. The exterior, you know, there's things trim. You know, we just painted that Bilko door in Connecticut. I'm like, I'm either gonna have to replace that Bilko door and pay or paint it every year because that thing will just chip off 100%. in one winter. That yes. thing is just gonna flake away. Flake away. Um, <laughs> you know, so that's not gonna increase the value. I put a brand new bulkhead door on there as opposed to painting it next no matter what I do, it's maintenance. I can paint it on the cheaper side. Right. That's why I say one to three. Well it's even like power washing. Right, yeah. power washing, all these all different things. Because yeah. you go to a house that's hasn't been power washed in a decade, the landscaping's overgrown, nobody's been maintaining it. Oh yeah, that one to three percent a year, you're gonna have a different feel, different curb appeal, and a different value associated with the house as opposed to one that's been just landscaped every year, mm-hmm. mulch, you know, and all that kind of thing. So mm-hmm. there's certain things that can add value, but one to three percent generally just to keep it, um, keep it the value that you have in your mind there. All right. Or, or market value anyways. Okay. Any other, anything else stick out with the good life, Nicole? Not, not really. I, I was really, I was actually really surprised that, um, but I guess now that I'm looking back, the marriage thing really sort of threw me off, but I guess maybe it's just, maybe there's single people and marriage just isn't with high the, on their priority. It's gotta be single people in the survey. It's gotta because be. Of the kids, Cause so. I'm just confused. Cause I, I would hate to be in a terrible, I'd much rather be in a happy marriage than own a house in my yeah. mind. I mean, especially yeah. if I'm married, I, that but could again, be a good, yeah, that could be a anyway, good debate. I, I, we, could, <laughs> could be, we could debate it all day long. Maybe. Uh, well, Anyways, Fannie Mae is basically Anyways. showing us that Americans uh, believe home ownership is a good, solid investment. It's, well, no, it's part of the good life. It's part of the good life. Yes. It's a good investment. It's uh, certainly in line with uh, that Gallup poll that just came out that shows this. So the good life would include buying a home, okay? If you're going to live the good real estate life, then you probably need to start the journey of cold oh, calling. Yeah. And there was a tweet. That went a little viral, I guess. Eighty thousand views. It's pretty good in the sales world. This tweet was from Alexi Chernobyliski. Is it Alexi? I don't know. No, Alex. Alan, Alex. 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 All right. Totally butchering his handle. His handle is at Chernobylsky. Chernobyl's like the place with the Chernobylski. Chernobyl is, you know, the yeah. You know what I'm mm-hmm. talking about there. Yeah. All right. Do you know what you're talking about? I do. And I actually know <laughs> that tomorrow at 2 o'clock, we're going to be doing a new cold calling event. 4 p.m. here on the channel. So make sure you subscribe. There's a link below so you can get well, a notification. Well, those cold calls are what? To past clients? To past clients. Yeah. Emily White from our yep. team is going to be on there with me. Tom Tool, a member of his team. So we've got four agents making cold calls to past clients. If you want to be fully up on your game on how to reconnect with your past mm-hmm. clients. Maybe past it's a clients. 2020 client. Haven't talked to them. Yeah. You're going to want to tune into that. It's four o'clock. We Love have a it. link down below so you can get a notification. We if you want the after sphere. party, yeah. Nicole, the after party, there's an after party. It's at five o'clock. It's Where on BAM X. What? So use your code real word to get into BAM X. So you can be at the after what party. Is it like virtual cocktails and stuff. Yeah, it's going to be virtual fun. We're going to mm. debrief the entire cold call event and answer questions. Maybe you can pop in on the after party. Maybe I will. Real word code to get a discount on the annual subscription for Bam X. So, uh, Alexi, Alec say Alec. Let's just call him Alec. Let's go with Alec. I'm sure his name's Alec. I'm Lo- sure his buddies call him Alec. Starting my cold call journey today. What's your best piece of advice? Let's read through through the comments. Well, so wait, his his Twitter handle is his last name, by the way. His Twitter handle is his last yes. name. I know you were just you were yeah. Chernobyl. Yes, Alec? Chernobyl. Sky. We love you. We love you. I mean, great. This is amazing. 
great uh, tweet here. All right, so uh, John says, make it fun and set simple goals such as, I will make this many cold calls by this time today. One of the first cold calls I made was to a bank that we ended up buying for over 40 million, buying over 40 million of loans from. I was able to get spiffed plenty on for the relationship. I don't know what that means. But anyways, one of your first cold calls being a $40 million deal, pretty good. Pretty good. It's a pretty good deal. It's a pretty good deal. Um, all right, so... There you but it go. Says it, yeah. My takeaway from that comment would be, you know, you essentially have a plan. Right. Like, I'm going to make this many calls. I'm going to do it in this time segment today, and I'm going to go execute on the plan. And so that, that's a good piece of advice. Well, and it's also kind of holding yourself accountable, too, instead of just like, oh, I'm going to. I'm going to do it for this many hours. Because yes. I mean, what can you do in that hour? You could look at you could look at Instagram. You could look at Facebook. Easy to get you distracted. could check emails. But I do like this strategy of this many calls because at least it just feels like you're checking the box. 100%. Yeah. Be a real person. Be conversational. Add value and ask questions. You definitely want to be asking questions. You want to be curious. Okay? Yeah. So that's going to lead to a more interesting conversation. If you're just talk, if you cold call somebody and you're just over talking them, and you're the only one talking, person would be like, "Why did I pick up the phone? I want to get off well, of this that's call." Nerves. It's nerves, and it's the the experience for the other person right. on the call. It's just yeah. like, get me away from this right. call. So you definitely want to be asking a lot of questions. You want to be curious. The person in control of any call is the one asking questions. That's the same thing for your face to face meeting. You're going to be in control of the sales situation. You're going to be the one asking the questions, directing the bus in the direction that you want to go. Okay, 10,000 uh, cold calls starts with the first one. Okay, way to go. Um, offer something to email right away as a follow-up to read. Yeah, so if you need to have a next step in a cold call. Right. So the next step either needs to be I'm going to send you something of value like Liz is talking about here on Twitter, or it needs to be a meeting. Most of the cold calls you're making, if it's a true cold call, it's going to be to set a meeting. Right. Uh, if you can't set that next meeting, definitely get email, get another point of contact, send them something of value. Uh, have just that next step identified yeah, that's important, in the process. Yeah, huh? Because like you're just now, what, do you, what the hell are you going to talk about then? You better have some plan for the There's next gotta step. There's got to be a plan. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Um, I mean, no one wants to just hear from me. It's a numbers game, Scott says. If you make enough calls, you're going to see trends. You're going to see most common objections. Yeah, to the comment earlier of like having, you know, be a real person, be conversational, but you still should have a blueprint of how you're going to navigate the call. And a lot of people call that scripting. Mm -hmm. You should have some type of strategy of questions that work. And Scott's hitting it here. Like once you've made enough calls, you know the common objections, you're going to be able to know how to address those objections right. each and every time. There's not many different objections that you're going to face. Right. You're going to see the same ones over and over again. So you should have some type of scripting, know when to go to those, um, and, and certainly have enough knowledge and information where you can ask questions based off of their responses to those. You don't want to say This like was a, a lot. I mean, you got to give Alec credit, too. I mean, he was responding to all these. He was Twitter responding. He was, he was asking follow-up questions. I mean, he really wanted to master this. Use a dialer. We, we've shown you dialers yep. on past cold call events. You can go back in the channel and look at our past cold call events. I think we have a playlist. Haley, do we have a playlist? Pr pr pretty sure we do. Um, you know, the point is... <laughs> Zachary, drugs or alcohol? I'm not kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, awesome. a lot of people are shying away from cold calls. Um, I, I saw one of our best cold, cold callers in the office here the other day licking envelopes. Yeah. And I'm like, bro, you're... 
like a six-figure real estate agent and you've reduced yourself to licking an envelope. Yeah. That's what you've reduced yourself to. And and he's and he's printing out the na- like the labels. So oh my he, god. This, yeah. this is literally mm-hmm. I know the minimum wage here is $15 an hour, but that's a $7 an hour job in reality. I think that they actually have things that you don't have to actually physically lick them either. Like maybe like a wet like a wet towel. There is. They don't work. I've done this before. Oh, uh, what? You have to lick them? If you really want them to stick, you got to lick. I don't know. I feel like there's got to be, I mean, if anything, there's another, like, there's a machine for that. If you want it to stick, you must lick. Is that? I've done, went back in 2012 when I was. You should trademark that. I know. Licking my, (laughs) we should make a t-shirt. In the comments, you want some BAM merch? We're going to be talking about some BAM merch. Licking and sticking? And that could be a a t-shirt. It can be. Uh, Anyways, I found that out. Now, what I will say about direct mail, you yep. got to go handwritten envelopes so they just don't get opened handwritten as often. Handwritten envelopes, you know, for sure. These were, these were like the labels. labels. Yeah. I said every time I see a label, I never open. Of I course. rip in half, throw in the garbage because yeah. I have common sense. Right. Most people have common sense when it comes to receiving direct mail. You rip it in half. You don't even open it. You put it in the garbage can because you know yeah. it's advertising. So, you know, I think the agents right now, Nick Bailey had a comment on the podcast that I did with him and... Um, uh, Jimmy Mackin from Curator just quoted the comment and put it out on Twitter. The the, the quote is, agents have gone from uh, burnout to broke. Yeah. That is a broke mentality. Hey, I'm so burnt out on this business. I don't want to make my cold calls anymore. So I'm going to start licking envelopes. Yeah. That is going from I'm burnt out of this business, of the the objections, of being a professional salesperson, and now I'm going to take broke activities. Yeah. I'm going to go spend money instead of make money. Or meet people. Like, get out there. Go. Like, now is the time to double down on getting in front of people. And it's, I feel like, so much easier, especially up here in the Northeast right now, to do that. Because, like, people are just coming out of their homes. There's graduations. And there's, like, again, there's so many outdoor events and activities. right? Now. Everything. Go to the freaking beach. You tell an agent to go make calls. They shy away from it. It's yeah. an easy way to connect with people. People and create those relationships in your community, in your yeah. database, whatever the case may be. And it just takes time, energy, effort. Yeah. But if you, and they resist, resist, wave of resistance, tell an agent to go and spend money, automatically they'll ring up that credit right. card with the hopes and dream that just spending the money is going to fall deals into their lap. I, it doesn't work that no. way. No, and we always sales. say like uh, like build a career, not a year. I yeah. mean, it, 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 cold calling, making calls, being at open houses and meeting being those people. Being at open houses. If you don't like cold calls, be I get it. Being at open house. Yeah, I mean, those, like things, people that I met in open houses my first, second year of real estate were then my fifth year deals, my sixth year deals. Or if they did buy first year, they then became my seventh year deal because they then sold and bought. So not, not, not everybody likes a cold call. But an open house, you can you can have as many conversations as it might have, you know, taken me and you know doing an hour of cold calls Monday through Friday. Yeah, you can have as many conversations on Saturday in right. one great open house. Easy. And, in this and so market, different ways to do it for sure. Cheapers. We used to get two people at our open houses, and that was like holla. All right, we've reacted to a Graham Stephan video before. Yes. Graham Stephan obviously is a big YouTuber, and then now he uh, or he was before a big YouTuber. Wait, he, why he is that a, house on your screen? Super uh, random. It, these are just pictures that pop up. So it'll be so like. So funny. Why? On the you... iPad, they just filter pictures. We sold that house. Years ago. Years ago. But it just randomly pops up old photos all the time. From I don't what? understand it. Why do you even it'll have that It'll be like pictures photo. of my kids. It's just like pictures I have in here. Is it like of your Dropbox? I, I only see two. Look I see it, there's just pictures two. of my kids. 
so random. Weird. Like pictures. Just, look at this. I don't even know what house that is. Anyways. That's a beautiful shot, though. That was a beautiful shot. Well, yep. I probably anyway. sold that for a million something. Anyway. Here we are. Uh, let's react to this Graham Stefan video. The last time we reacted to his video, that did very well. So let's react to this one. What's the most expensive house you've sold? Seven and a half million dollars. What's the commission on that? Two hundred and something thousand. You talked about your big break was a 3.6 million something? That was my first house. Just turned 19. I had held open houses every single Sunday for eight months and then randomly this guy walks in. He liked the fact that I was just young and getting in the business. I guess I reminded him of himself when he was younger and he literally was like, hey, I want to give you a chance. Wow. Anyone who's over the age of 18 can get your real estate license. And they think to themselves that it's an easy way for me to make money. And then they think to themselves, wait a second, like I've worked four months and I haven't earned a single paycheck. This is a waste of time. I could have made all this money had I worked a normal job. And they get frustrated and they quit. Most people from what I've seen leave after about six months. How long did it take you to make your first bit check? Um, my first check? Yeah. So, I remember this. Yeah? Uh, yeah. So, I got into real estate in August. Yep. I think I cashed my first commission check in December. What was it? Was November. It a, was it a rental? It was November or December. No. Oh, you got a house? My first, no, it was a piece of land. Okay. It was a piece of land. Did you and have the buyer? To this. You had the buyer? I had the buyer. Okay. My my good friend, Sherm the Worm. You ever meet Sherm the Worm? I don't think so. No, anyways. Shout he's out to okay Sherm. with that? Sherm's all right with that? Oh, yeah, we just call him the worm. I know, but um, he's an adult now. Shout out to Sherm the Worm. Okay. Anyways, uh, he wanted to buy this piece of land here. I had the land identified. I had just started. We were boys. He's like, you know, uh, I'll help out my boy here. Um, use you as the agent. The the agent that had the listing, she was the president of the local board out there at, uh, at the time. Mm -hmm. And she had a, uh, a commission split down the middle. And land, sometimes in the past, it was higher. Not, I don't find that anymore to be higher. Well, no, I mean, I think just because it was impossible to sell land. Yeah, yeah. it was 7%. Wow. And I got 3.5% on this land deal. And I was like, Phew. What did it sell hey, for, though? Like easy. 60 grand? That was like 80 or 90 grand. It was on okay. a really nice street in, in North Stonington, Connecticut. Yep. And uh, he still has the place today. He first built a um, standalone garage with an apartment on top. Then he built a single family. He was like a single it. dude at the time. So yeah. he lived there and then makes, he built a single sense. family. And he's got a nice little compound going on there. But anyways, yeah, that was my first deal. So I think it was November. It was a quick closing. He bought he bought it cash. Um, so it was like November, December. So you f August, September, October. That, that was pretty quick. Maybe three months in, I get a closing check. Okay. Yeah, that's great. Um, you know, and then I started that second year. That's when it when it started to accumulate for me. Yeah. But that doesn't happen for everybody. And what Graham said there was most people quit after six months. Right. Well, just I was just talking to an agent. We we had an agent, newer agent. We have mm -hmm. a, a new agent program where we train agents. And he says, Hey, I gave this, you know, a I great a try. try. I gave real estate a try. Yep. And, um, you know, it's just not working out for me. You got to go. It, when he says I gave it a try, he was in for three months exactly, mm -hmm. 90 days. Uh, and I don't even expect you. Mine was a little bit over three months. I don't even expect you to get paid in those three months. And we say that up front. I right? think it but, took me almost a year. But to me, when, when you say, and this is something that needs to be taught more up front with people getting their license. Absolutely. If you think three months or even six months like Graham, he says most people quit after six months. If you think that that is giving this a real try, mm -hmm. 
You are mistaken, my friend. Yeah. I'm sorry that three or six months in real estate is not giving it a try. You're not even trying if that's your mindset coming in. This business is a career. It takes a commitment. You've got to go all in for a year to see what works. You've got to find a way to put yourself in that position, whether that's waiting tables at night to have the money to pay your bills, right. having a savings, uh, working some some something that doesn't take you being in a building nine to five, like right. doing something to have some income for a year where you've got to stretch the hours thin. I was someone's assistant. To really go all in and do it. Yeah. I took an admin job. But you were in the game. In you were in game. real estate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it was part-time. Like, I was like three hours. But I also had three kids at home, and my husband was a teacher. So I needed at least to pay for, like, diapers just to make it at least feel like this wasn't a waste. But, yeah, I mean, I, I, I got into real estate in 2010. I really don't think I started making, like, money. Like, in the – because, like, you make money your first year, but, like, after all your dues and shit, like, I think I was in the red probably the first almost two years. But it wasn't until 2012 where, like, I was then able to actually, like, afford to take my kids to, like – Disney World. I was like, holy shit, honey. Like it was so it took it took probably two years to finally the, be in the green in the business. You gotta keep showing up. What he was yeah. talking about was showing up every weekend for these open houses. And unless you do that, yeah. you don't get into position where the person's like, I'm gonna take a shot on you. And it only takes one person to say, Hey, I'm gonna take a shot on you. And it comes in bunches. And that's what he's talking about. Like all of a sudden, boom, he hit this big deal. If you're in a more of a units market where it's about doing units and not high end prices, like you know he's in, he was in L yeah. South LA or wherever Southern California. If you're in a units market, it will come in bunches. All of a sudden, month seven comes and it's like, whoa, I have seven closings here, right. and I'm gonna get paid a whole bunch. But of But you also can't stop at that point either. No, because you got to keep you get you have to keep going even that, if you have those bunches. That's the problem young salespeople have is like they'll get all this money and then they'll disappear stop. for three or four weeks yeah. and they'll go on vac you know right. and yeah. they stop and then all their momentum stops and all the follow up. I like open houses because it really is still to this day like it's a good practice. It's you know like. It's a good practice to find out what people are looking for because I think being you know, curious each each year, each month. I mean, each generation is so different. So to like be at an open house and have conversations with different ages and age groups and like you really get a sense of what people are looking for so that if you do get a listing, you can at least speak at like, you know, in intelligently about who's going to come to your house and what they're looking for. Because, again, think about how many times. So you're on these cold calls now, right? And someone's like, oh, come on over and tell me what I should do to my house. If you haven't talked to the consumer, if you haven't talked to the buyer, how the hell are you going to help a seller sell their house? That's right. So, I mean, that's where these open houses and again, being in the game and just keep doing it is going to is going to help you. But it, you have to keep doing it. I still do open houses. I mean. I, again, I learned so much from the consumer of what they're looking for because what people the, wanted in 2012 is so vastly different from what they want now in 2023. The agents I can speak to the degree of what the market is doing and the shifts that are happening and, and the consensus from consumers yeah. are the ones that are getting a shot. Of course. And the agents that say, well, I can set you up on showing time to yeah. get listings sent to your email are the ones that are getting ghosted. Right. And there's a big difference there between the ones that are knowledgeable, that are in the game, that are speaking the language, that know what consumers want yeah. this week. And then the ones that are like, I can set you up on showing time, which by the or way, or I can open up can a do door. Anyone can open right. up a door. Exactly. Yeah. But yeah, exactly. Now, if you want to be better at reconnecting with your past clients, I love it. Make sure what that time's you, it at? it's at four o'clock Wednesday, Wednesday. So depending on if, 
I keep saying tomorrow, but you may not be seeing this on day yeah. of release. It's Wednesday, so if you're seeing this after, you can catch the, the 13th, replay. June 13th. June. Right? Thir- no, today's the 13th, so Is June it? 14th. So off. June 14th, Wednesday, okay. 4 p.m. on the channel. Hit the link below to get a notification. Of course, subscribe to the channel. If you want to be part of the after party, sign up for BAMX. Use the code REALWORD to get your discount off the annual subscription. Wow. Good we're stuff somebody. happening. We're a discount code now. Discount code. I love it. All right. Good. That is your episode, Nicole. I'm excited. I'm excited to see how this all... Uh, Got a few more tweaks in here, but... How this all comes out. We'll get it. We'll get it. We'll get it good. Yeah, good. Until then, keep it real. See you guys.